Okay, I'll pray for us. Father, thanks for Sunday School and uh, uh, giving us this time to learn uh, more about um, what you've revealed in the Bible, um, what you've revealed in uh, in Jesus. Help us to um, um, have good conversations and uh, understand more of um, and appreciate more of uh, what you have done. Um, we pray these in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so recap, really quickly. Last week we talked about the threefold offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king, and these are mediatorial roles, right? So Christ is our mediator. We talked about how uh, Jesus brings reconciliation to two parties, right? There's an estrangement between God and man, and Christ is the mediator here. And Christ perfectly represents both man and God, right? So he's not the perfect mediator, right? And, so, and then we talked about what a prof, uh, prophet is. Uh, a prophet is uh, a messenger or a representative of God. Um, he speaks on behalf of God. God uh, gives him this divine revelation, and the prophet then um, uh, speaks to the people. So it's a direct word from God, but it's through this mediator um, of prophet. And so we talked about, uh, we touched on what Christ as prophet. And so today we're going to talk more uh, about Christ as the ultimate prophet. Um, we're going to talk about how he's the uh, the greater Moses and the greater Elijah. We'll see how far we can get. Um, any questions, Eggman? Uh, is no, that, no, is no. that pretty clear? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Oh, you should keep that oh, up there. Okay, okay. God, oh, and then I'll, I'll do that picture. <laughs> For people who come like they should see that graphic. Okay. Up there Shame the on you. God. All right, cool. Okay, so we're gonna so, uh, we're gonna talk about first of how Jesus is the greater and ultimate Moses. Um, so we're just gonna go through these passages and um, um, uh, just see what exactly uh, that is. All right, so uh, Aikman, can you read Deuteronomy eighteen? <coughs> All right. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Yeah. Uh, so this is a foundational text in um, pointing forward to Christ. And uh, when it says that, uh, when Moses says, you'll raise a prophet like me, um, then this is uh, pretty uh, pretty big because Moses was rega- was really highly regarded, right? <laughs> What's that, Karin? What's that? Hi. Um, Moses was regarded as a... A great, uh, a really great pop prophet, right? Maybe one of the, the best prophets in the OT. And so he says, uh, he points forward to um, a prophet like him, um, and it is to him you shall listen, right? So he's pointing forward to somebody much greater than than um, himself. Um, so we're gonna see uh, these next few verses, uh, who that is. Uh, Carmen, can you read Acts for us? Acts three. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Uh, who's speaking in X-ray? <coughs> oh, um, who's speaking? <laughs> oh. This would be Peter. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Peter, do you have to set the context of like what is what what, what where is Peter saying this? 
Right, right. Um, this is Pentecost. Yes, yes. This is at Pentecost where Peter's talking to the people. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the very first <coughs> sermon, in a sense. Right. This, this is the very first. Um, Peter is speaking. Pentecost is a festival in Jerusalem where everyone gathers. Um, and this is a Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So this huge influx of people are coming into Jerusalem. And then so Peter and all the disciples who had previously been scared out of their minds, scared of the Roman authorities hunting them down, all of a sudden he goes right before a crowd and he preaches the first Christian sermon. And this is one of the foundational proofs or arguments that Peter's making. And so it's important to keep that in mind. <laughs> Moses said, <clears throat> The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. Right, so, um, so Peter here is like uh, directly referencing <coughs> Deuteronomy 18, right? Um, he uh, 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 repeats what Moses said, right? Um, and, uh, and if you look at verse 24, it's bolded. It says, And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. So this is huge, right? He's talking about how all the prophets in the Old Testament um, was proclaiming these days, these days of Christ, right? So all the OT prophets, all OT prophets, right? What were they doing? They were proclaiming um, the coming of, of Jesus, right? Of this prophet. I have a question. Yeah. So like in Deuteronomy, when, when, uh, when um, God says this <coughs> to, uh, do people like start to scratch their head and they go like, who are you talking about? Like, are they just, do they just kind of like accept it passively? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, probably um, to some degree they understood. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay. Because remember, you have to think of it in the larger storyline. Um, they know that uh, what Moses is doing, this salvation of Moses is affecting through the Exodus, cannot be the final thing. And so they know all the everything that they're um, living through this drama of salvation. All of it has to be pointing towards the future. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews tells us this. All the all the saints of old um, knew knew that behind uh, the drama and the story, there was a deeper, richer reality, which is Christ. And so they knew. But of course, to another degree, they didn't know. So you know, Moses is saying another prophet will come like me. Everyone's like. I don't understand. Because first of all, Mo, I mean, Mo, there was never one, anyone like Moses. No one has ever surpassed Moses, of course, until Christ. But I bet, I bet when Elijah came, everyone's like, Deuteronomy 18.15 is being fulfilled in our day. But even then, it wasn't. And so, I don't know. What do you think, Wade? Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, we do have this like um, sort of this pattern of people like seeing other prophets and, and going, Oh, maybe this is the one, um, like it's in like in, uh, when John the Baptist came as well, like people mm-hmm. were like, Oh, maybe this is, this is a guy. Right. Um, but I'm like, I'm wondering like, just like the normal like person, the, the normal, normal Israelite, if he would just go, uh, okay, weird. Yeah. And just be like, keep on going. Like, I don't know, like 
if the uh, if the Israelites had like that much foresight. Mm. Well, I mean, again, Hebrews, and actually I'm going to preach on this next week, but if, if you read through Hebrews, particularly Hebrews 11, right, the roll call of faith, the author of Hebrews says absolutely that God's people um, knew that when God was speaking in the Old Testament, he was speaking, he was foretelling of Christ. Um, so I think it's really interesting. Deuteronomy 18.15 is the gospel. <coughs> the gospel that a greater prophet. I think what's even more interesting is that Moses doesn't say a greater prophet will come. He says a prophet like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like me, I, I mean, you can think of it many in other ways. You can say someone who's equal to Moses, or you can say someone who's like Moses, but not quite up to his stature, maybe even lesser. But uh, so even in the Deuteronomy, it's kind of in shadowy form because it doesn't never it never says the final and ultimate prophet. But then when Peter talks. Peter quotes Deuteronomy 18.15 and he says, Jesus is the fulfillment. And so, it must be someone who ultimately is greater, right? Yeah. I guess um, Peter is teaching us how to read the Bible. right? I mean, it's the very first Christian sermon. Um, he doesn't like give a movie example or anything. <laughs> um, he quotes Deuteronomy 18.15, right? I mean, of all the Old Testament texts to quote... <coughs> I would not have quoted Deuteronomy 18.15. Like, if I were talking to um, people and saying, let me tell you about Jesus, Deuteronomy 18.15 would not be my foundational text. But Peter makes it his foundational, one of his foundational texts. And so, um, mm-hmm. that's really interesting, right? Who has ever thought of Deuteronomy 18.15 as <laughs> the gospel in the Old Testament? But could it be that, like, I mean, they, they all understood, um, um, all these Jews understood uh, the Old Testament, so they had these, the, uh, you know, they were, maybe they were, uh, well versed in the OT, and then, but they didn't. Right, so maybe they're so much more versed. So the we, yeah, we're yeah. like, Deuteronomy 1815. Yeah, yeah. I've never even seen that before. <laughs> right. But uh, maybe to to the Jews who are waiting for the Messiah, they were looking at Deuteronomy 1815 yeah. and they were hoping and longing and waiting, right? Right. Yeah. It is great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge how, how everybody, every, everybody, everything in the OT points to Christ, right? Um, we should also say that there's another person who cites, right? And th- there's another Acts passage. Yeah. Uh, Acts 7, yeah, no right? Um, <laughs> there's Stephen, the deacon, and right before he's killed and stoned, he also preaches. He also gives, in, a, in essence, another Christian sermon. He also cites Deuteronomy 18.15. He makes the exact same argument Peter makes. And so this isn't just sort of Peter's um, hobby horse or Peter's... Um, Peter's um, favorite like you know there's like uh, people have inspirational verses or life verses this isn't Peter's life verse <laughs> uh, because Stephen quotes Deuteronomy 18.15 exactly and says this points to Jesus so um, this maybe we can say this is the church's life verse but um, it's 18.15 everyone should memorize Deuteronomy 18.15 if someone says what is the gospel the gospel is that someone like <laughs> Moses will come what? <laughs> yeah. You guys have any questions? Uh, Deuteronomy, what? Sorry. Just... 18, oh, did you have 1815? Okay. Oh, okay. We're, just, uh, we're on this one right now. Okay, cool. Um, here's a question for yeah. you. Um, why does Moses even say this in Deuteronomy 1815? Okay. Okay. <coughs> <coughs>
Why is it necessary for Moses to say another? Any thoughts? <laughs> is he dying? Moses? <laughs> so, what, keep going, what do you think? Uh, I mean, why would that necessitate? <coughs> there's no other named prophet after him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to have a prophet who speaks God's word to you, but yeah. eventually he dies, right? Yeah. So the generation of Moses, after Moses is Joshua, but... Um, it's not a prophet, though. I mean, maybe loosely, but certainly not to the stature of Moses, right? So. Isn't Moses like one of the top dogs in all of Jewish culture, out of all the prophets? <coughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Moses is the ultimate, the greatest prophet. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I, I think going along with that too is not only will Moses die, but even Moses is inadequate, or even Moses is not sufficient, or even Moses isn't enough to give us a sense, uh, a really deep personal sense of who God is and what his word is and what his message is, right? So even Moses, I guess what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy 18 is that I'm inadequate. I'm not so enough. Even a great prophet wouldn't point to wouldn't point to a lesser prophet, I guess. Like he's pointing to something even. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Cool. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's look at Hebrews one, one or three. This one's pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, Evie, can you read Hebrews one for us? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay, so again, like, it, we're talking about, there's a kind of a contrast here, right? Um, so it says, so it says long, uh, um, uh, the author of Hebrews says, long ago, um, at many times and in many ways, so uh, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So he's talking about the times of um, the Old Testament, right? Um, and so when they say, at many times uh, they, uh, and in many ways, um, God would uh, uh, speak to these prophets in uh, dreams or visions or whatever it may be, like, right? At, at several different times, just throughout the history of, of Israel. Um but in these last days, right? So let's see. So long ago, right? So OT time. But in these last days is NT time, right? So uh, God, God, this uh, God will always speak to. Um, God will speak through the prophets, through dreams, visions. Uh, and he would do this repeatedly, right, just all throughout um, the history of Israel. But it says here in verse 2, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, right? So God now brings his Son. Uh, whom he appointed, let's see, whom he appointed um, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So he's talking about how God uh, is, I mean, how Christ is God, right? He's the creator. He's the son of God. Son of God. Um, 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint or representation um, of his nature, right? Um, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So, um, so Christ is, uh, whereas, whereas this was kind of like a, uh, um, we'll say this is kind of like a dim view of how, um, how God revealed his word to the people. It's kind of dim, right? It was, it was through the prophets to the people, and uh, it wasn't quite quite clear what was being revealed. But now, God reveals um, Himself through Christ, right, to the people, and <clears throat> and it is Christ that you know, that this all powerful Christ, the Son of God, very God, uh, He's God Himself, right, Creator of all things. Uh, he is the final revelation, right. So, and then the, um, this last part is after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. So not only does he reveal, uh, is he the revelation of God himself, but he makes this purification for sins, right? So you see how much clearer, how much more power um, this revelation is than this one. This one's just kind of a dim view of everything, but this is Christ, right? Christ is everything. Christ is what God was talking about the whole time. Any questions on that, or is that? I think you know the wording in verse three is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the author says he's the radiance of the glory of God. Um, when I read that, it reminds me of the very famous story in the Old Testament um, when God revealed Himself through the burning bush. That's the glory of God, you know. And uh, when Moses goes before the burning bush, God says, uh, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. And it must have been an amazing sight, but the people could never see it. Um, in fact, the people couldn't even touch the mountain because they were unholy, they were dirty. And then when Moses goes down, just they don't even see the glory of God, they see the reflection, the refracted glory on Moses' face. You know, uh, kind of like after you turn off the light bulb there's like that afterglow and the people are like oh it's too much it's too bright and so they ask Moses to put on a veil so they can't even handle the reflected glory off of Moses's face um, and it just shows you how um, inadequate or how uh, weak the access they had to God and then in Jesus Christ we have something even the burning bush was just pointing towards which is the radiance of the glory of God. I think it's, it's, it's really amazing. And when, But when I think of Jesus, I don't see Jesus as a glowing light bulb. You know, Jesus is someone who, he's, he's from Nazareth, he spoke with a country accent, he was not attractive to look at, um, he was humble, he, when they, uh, when they crucified him, they divided up his clothes, and that was all his possessions, just the clothes on his, on his body. Um, he was someone who suffered, and it's, it's kind of amazing, right? It's almost like, can you show me the glory of God? Do you see that homeless man? <laughs> That's yeah. God. Any other thoughts, uh, questions on that? Okay, uh, let's go through Hebrews 3. Uh, Melissa, can you read Hebrews 3 for us? 
four holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Yeah, it's beautiful. Again, it's talking about how Christ is, um, is so much better than Moses, right? So... Um, so, in verse uh, verse one, they're just uh, speaking to holy brothers, Christians, right? Um, and that includes us. Um, and he says, uh, "So uh, consider Jesus, who was faithful to Him, faithful to God, who appointed Him. So God appointed Him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house." Um, verse three: For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house. So the builder of the house is who was Christ, right? Um, so builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. So that's your house. So. House, it could also mean house or household, right? So the builder of this house, so Christ builds his house, right? Builds, builds, builds. And then whoever's in here, the house or the household. Um, household. Um, so this is talking about how great uh, this is Moses, right? These are like servants, right? So Moses, and Moses is included in this household, but Christ Himself is the builder of this house. Um, yeah, and so it says also Christ is the is the uh, is fa- he's faithful over God's house as a son. So the son <coughs> rules over this house. He built he, uh, Christ has built this house. He rules over the house. And Moses, this great prophet that everyone looked up to, is faithful, but he's just a servant. A servant that ultimately points to Christ. So just another uh, uh, contrasting view between Moses and Christ. Make sense? Any thoughts? Okay, cool. I guess it reminds me of that parable. I think Eric Jung preached on this several months back now about the um, the tenants of the of the of the vineyard, and then the uh, the owner sends all these messengers, and then finally he says, and they they treat all the messengers badly. He says, finally, I'm going to send my son. And I guess like if you, if I mean let's relate it to us. Like let's say you're a tenant in an apartment and you don't pay the rent, and so the landlord sends you a letter, <laughs> then he gives you a phone call. <laughs> And then uh, he sends you, I don't know, um, a certified mail. And finally, he sends his son. And then you're like, oh, that's really serious. Um, it just shows you like the, 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 the final messenger is so much more um, impactful, I guess. Or what do you think? It's, is it more? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, or, or I mean, even that analogy is inadequate. Inadequate is the son is the second person of the Trinity, right? So the Son is God Himself, and so um, it's much more uh, direct or immediate. That's the word I was looking for, much more immediate. 
Um, if you look at this box, uh, Moses received the law from God and gives it to the people on Mount Sinai. Like Moses, Christ goes up a mountain and gives the law to the people, but Christ goes further and fulfills the law for us. Um, can you read um, Matthew 5 for us? Matthew 5? Sorry. Yeah. Do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I, s I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not in iota, uh, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Yeah. So this is on the Sermon on the Mount, um, Sermon on the Mount right? Moses, just like Moses, Christ gives the law, but... Uh, we have to fill this law, right? That Christ not only gives us the law and, and expounds on it, right? But He is the one that fulfills the law for us, right? So He's such a great prophet. He gives us the law, but He's like, okay, but it's impossible to fulfill, right? He says, um, I don't think I have it done here, but uh, this is, um, we're to be perfect just as our Heavenly Father is perfect, right? impossible, but Christ does this for us. He does this for us. Christ fulfills it for us. Um, and so again, Christ not only uh, heralds the word of God, he is the word himself. All the prophets share divine, divine revelation of God, but Christ is the revelation. Christ is the Messiah. John 1, 1, Chris, can you read? Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <laughs> this echoes Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, right? Um, in the beginning, right? In the beginning was the Word, which is, the Word is Christ, right? Um, and so the Word is God's revelation to us. Christ is this Word, right? It's, I think that's really beautiful. Um, I was thinking back to the, the Matthew 5 passage, the yeah. Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you actually, like, I've never been, of course, to uh, Palestine, but if you actually see photos of, you know, the kinds of uh, landscape, um, the topography, it's, um, you know, mountainy in the way that, like, you know, hills. It's a hill, yeah. it's a hill right? Yeah. Jesus, I mean, obviously he didn't, Jesus didn't climb, like, this rock surf, like, uh, you know, El Capitan or something, and then look down at the people. Um, that would not be good for communication. So it's really just, in the essence, a hill. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that Matthew specifically calls it a mountain, which is, uh, in, a, in, in any other place, would be an exaggeration. But uh, I guess he's doing it directly to evoke the, the, yeah. the, the, the Mount Sinai story, right? Yeah. The disciples must have been like, oh, Ascending a mountain. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, again, uh, what Tub was reading, uh, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished, right? So Christ fulfills the very minute details of the written law, right? Um, he fulfills everything for us. Uh, so that's uh, for us, right? So we, don't, we no longer have to do this. Um, okay. So let's talk, uh, talk uh, now we're moving on to Eli uh, Elijah, probably uh, finish with Elijah and just uh, skip to the end. Um, so, okay, so we see how Moses was, so Christ is like the like greater Moses, right? Um, 
how how this great prophet Moses even points to an even greater uh, prophet, which is Christ, right? So he's uh, Moses in that way that he gives a law, but he also fulfills a law for us. So Elijah um, is what, right? If we look at this box, uh, underline the covenant prosecutor. And so covenant prosecutor basically, let's see, Elijah is the covenant prosecutor. And uh, any thoughts on what he would, what covenant we're talking about? Mosaic. Yeah. So the Mosaic covenant which is, which said, right, so a covenant is between two people, right, God and the people. Uh, God and the people, um, and within the Mosaic covenant, uh, God gives the law, and he says, if you obey, then you will be blessed, right? You'll get the pro- into the promised land um, on one level. You'll get, uh, you'll enter the promised land, right? So obey, Obey and you get this land. You get blessing, right? Obey equals blessing. Disobey. Curses, right? Yeah, be exiled. And never enter the promised land, right? So, um, so a lot of the OT is basically uh, a, uh, a lot of these prophets are. Um, Covenant prosecutors, in the sense that they're saying they're calling the people back to obedience, back to turn back to God, right? Because uh, a lot of times they would just turn to other gods, they would be disobedient. Um, and so these covenant prosecutors come in, and they're like, "Okay, you guys gotta, you guys gotta turn, otherwise, otherwise, um, judgment is coming, right? There will be curses, uh, um, and uh, you'll no longer be in God's favor, right? So covenant prosecutor." Prosecutes these people, right? <coughs> so, uh, so he calls for Elijah calls for repentance and a turning back to Yahweh, as well as impending judgment for those who do not repent. Christ is also a covenant prosecutor, as he condemns us all in his exposition of the law. Uh, but Christ goes further and takes the con- condemnation for us, right? Uh, so Matthew five um, five twenty one to forty eight, he. He gives the law, but and then he says, uh, "You have heard that it was said, but I." And then he corrects it, but I said to you, right? Not that the law was bad, but they thought they, they had a skewed understanding of the law, right? It's not as easy as they thought, as the Pharisees thought, right? But I say to you, um, and then uh, Ma- Matthew five forty-eight, you therefore must be perfect, as your uh, heavenly Father is perfect. Right? That's impossible, right? How how can anybody be perfect? Um, and so basically, he condemns all of us, right? So Christ. Christ comes, like Elijah, Christ comes and he basically says everyone is condemned, right? Condemns, condemns all, right? Um, let's read Romans 8. Uh, Tommy, can you read Romans 8 first? <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, this passage is huge. Um... 
there, for those who are in Christ, there is now no condemnation, right? Why? Because Christ uh, took on the sin. He was condemned. Uh, he condemned sin in the flesh, right? That's 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 God, right? Uh, or that's Christ. So Christ, Christ takes on. He condemns us all, yet He is the one that takes on all our condemnation. Um, and in Luke 9, I'll, uh, we won't read it, but um, this is just, uh, uh, I thought this was really interesting how, if you look at the bold, um, it says, Lord, do, not, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? He's talking about, uh, the, um, John and James are talking about the Samaritans that didn't accept Jesus. Um, uh, and then Jesus turns and rebukes them. So this kind of has a, has, it's kind of pointing back to the story of Elijah where, uh, I remember um, uh, Michael, and uh, he pre he preached on Second uh, Kings and how, um, you know, when Elijah was on up on the hill and the and fifty men came and then God uh, Elijah calls down fire and consumes them right, um, so he consumes these people and then James and John remember this story and he so he says so he uh, they they ask uh, Jesus to to rain fire on them and consume them right but Jesus says no don't. Don't do that. Why do you, he doesn't? He tells them. He rebukes them. He doesn't uh, send fire. Why? Because he takes this for us, right? He takes the condemnation um, uh, for us. The fire consumes him, right? Which is, I think, that's really, really cool. Um, is that any questions? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, I never like. I never noticed that. Cool. Uh, good picture. Uh, you guys have a, a clearer picture of kind of how Christ is the greater Elijah, coming a prosecutor. Yeah. That's, no. Okay. I uh, will just skip down to. We're gonna skip C. Um, and then we're gonna go to. We're just gonna finish off with the Christ is the cornerstone. beautiful so uh, 19 is talking about Gentiles right so that you Gentiles are no longer strangers by means, but now we're all um, part of the household of God right uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets so prophets we we talked in depth about what a prophet was um, and then apostles are kind of are the disciples right they were the ones that witnessed uh, Christ and his miracles and um, and so we are built on on this Revelation of Christ, right? All, all of the Bible is about Christ, right? The prophets talked about Christ. They pointed forward to Him. The apostles witnessed everything that Christ did. Um, 
and they reveal it to the church, right? To the to the people, they proclaim all these two. Uh, they just proclaim um, proclaim Christ, right? And what he has done, who he is. He's the Messiah, right? And so, built on this, built on this knowledge, um, on this revelation of God, um, Christ is the cornerstone himself, right? He's the he came in flesh, and he is the very very thing that all these people are talking about, right? So he's the cornerstone. He's, the cornerstone is the key piece, right? Um, I remember Darren preached on, Darren Chung preached on this. Christ is the cornerstone. Christ the cornerstone. I think cornerstone is like that piece at the top that is a thing that holds everything together. Cornerstone is the, uh, the bottom. The bottom? Yeah, foundation. Okay. Yeah, foundation. Okay. Okay, so, and then everything is built up. It's the first stone upon which you place all the oh, other okay. stones match it. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, a belt or, or SpongeBob. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, Christ is this foundation. Everything is talking about Christ, and then Christ Himself comes. I think that's is beautiful. This, the Bible is 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 so beautiful. Any. Wherever you turn in the Bible and you read the story and this overall theme, everything has to do with what's going on, how God is making reconciliation, how Christ is the mediator. Um, and not only are they giving us, uh, not only is the Bible revealing to us, you know, words from people, but the very word comes um, in the New Testament in Christ, right? So um, it's not just this dim view, this dim revelation where it's like, oh, Christ is coming in and that's it, right? The revelation actually comes, right? He actually comes and reveals God to us. Um, and so, I don't know. It, that's, that makes me want to cry, you know? It's, it's like, oh man, this is, the Bible is so beautiful. Like, everything that we believe is like, oh, this is, this is crazy. So, uh, any thoughts or questions? Okay, cool. All right, let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, for Jesus and and for um, your word and your revelation to us and how beautiful um, the Bible is. Um, how this story is um, so detailed and intricate, and um, yeah, everything uh, comes together and and just points to you, um, points to what you've done, who you are, and how we are. Um, part of it um so we thank you for um <laughs> for the gospel for saving us for bringing us here together we come here because of you because of christ because you have made reconciliation we pray that it would continually move us um and uh um, melt our hearts uh, that we would uh, love you and serve you uh, with everything that we are uh, so we pray for the uh, next hour as we um uh, worship you together uh, that uh, we just continue to fall in love with you we thank you and pray these things in your son's name amen